sweating like a pig right now. Well, it's because you're on a spit. Um, I'm on a what? A, a spit. That's the thing that they, that, like the giant pole that they put a pig on when they're going to roast it over a fire. Spit? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. What a terrible intro. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, folks, to another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the horror podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, today, I am your host, Brendan, a.k.a. Jurgis, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic, and my co-hosts, as always, the spooky boy, the paranormal one himself, it is Ian with too easy. Ian, I think I just broke my freaking neck. <laughs> Shout out to Kurt Angle and Busta Rhymes. Um, today I am drinking a uh, little something, something. Kurt Angle. Whatever happened to that guy? Oh, what? Yeah. Uh, he's he's currently uh, his Kurt like. Angle. If you've seen a photo of him now, his body looks like it's shutting down from all the fucking Percocet he used to take. He, I mean, it, it looked like it was shutting down before, like back in his heyday. So I can only imagine what he looks like now. Yo, he won an Olympic gold medal, Kyle, with Dude, a broken okay. freaking neck. Look, look, yeah, I was a wrestling fan in the Attitude Era in the early 2000s. I was, there was a brief moment where I was a Kurt Angle fan, for sure. <laughs> like, he had his moments. He definitely had his moments. I'd say he's one of my top five wrestlers of all time. See, I was a fan of Chris Benoit. He was a family man, <laughs> and he was a good wrestler. Family man. <laughs> sure was. Oh, God. Took him to the grave. He smothered them with affection. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, he... he no, oh, no. Okay, okay. 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 Oh, oh my god. Ian, how, how have you how have you how are you doing? Are you sick? What have you been up to? Any recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sick. Um any what would you say any machines? No, I said what have you been up to or any recommendations? Oh. <laughs> okay. Um no recommendations. I am drinking a prime energy drink. This thing is pretty good, I got to say. Um, I think it's just a regular energy drink. I don't think it's like one of the electrolyte things, though. Um, strawberry watermelon. Pretty good. Pretty tasty. So are you part of the low gang Please or are you a Jake Pauler? Uh, low gang or Jake Pauler? I would say, which one's the one who got banned from Japan? Uh, that was Jake Paul. Logan I, Paul? I'm a fan of that one. He, okay. he did a real turnaround. For sure. He was enemy number one. And then mm -hmm. on this last arc, he's been, uh, he's a good guy arc for sure. Yeah. And he's, he's in the fucking WWE now. Yeah. He, and, and he's like really good. Re yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's, uh, pretty amazing. Um, but, uh, for recommendations, I watched the best animated film of my life. Um, it was a casual watch and also had the best Chinese food. Um, it was called, what was it called, Kyle? Um, a little China Shashuan is the name of the, <laughs> is the name of the place. Delicious. <laughs> shout out to China Szechuan. Um, I thought, but I thought was, you were say shout out to China. <laughs> <laughs> um, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, which is, it's it's not even comparable to the first one. Um, it's the best sequel of all time. 
Okay, full stop. Uh, and also with us, as always, it's the man with the snapback. He's not wearing a hat today. The slick black Cadillac. He writes with a number two pencil, but he's number one in all of our hearts. It's Kyle with a gay. Did, did you guys hear about the new Taco Bell diet where you could eat Taco Bell for 30 days straight and lose weight and lower your cholesterol? No, talk about it. Talk about it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, out of curiosity, though, uh, what are your feelings on Taco Bell and what's your go-to thing to get there? I'll go first. I hate Taco Bell. I think it's the worst fast food restaurant in human history. Um, if I do have to go there and have to get food from Taco Bell, like if a homie's like, I want Taco Bell, I'll pay for it. And I'm like, damn, I guess I got to get some. I'm going to get a, a quesadilla, a steak quesadilla. Do you get the sauce on it? No. Oh, you take the sauce off? Yeah, I do too. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. What about you, Brennan? Uh, one, love, love Taco Bell. Um, yeah, what, Taco Bell's amazing. What time of the day am I going? Is it before 2 p.m. or after 2 p.m.? Great question. You're at a bar and it's 11.30 p.m. You leave oh, the bar. Okay. And you happen to just stumble by one. So your plan wasn't even to go to Taco Bell. You but just, it's for, it's you're hungry. Time and- you're hungry. You're about two bars down, six beers deep. And you decide to walk into a Taco Bell. What do you get? I've been in this scenario many times. And my go-to order is always a Crunchwrap Supreme and four soft tacos. Four soft tacos. Do you get lettuce on the tacos? I might do the Supreme. So it has like the sour cream. Oh, and, gotcha, gotcha. And then I... Grab uh, two handfuls of the mild sauce. And yeah. Drink. What drink? <laughs> um, I usually just have another beer at home because I, I usually take it home to eat it. Or just like drink it while you're driving home. Uh, I usually get. Have you guys ever had cinnamon? Just, I'm not even going to ask because you guys haven't done it. You guys should get cinnamon twist with, with a side of nacho cheese and dip the cinnamon twist in the nacho cheese it's a game changer and you'll thank me later their cinnamon twists are complete garbage yeah but you don't like taco bell so everything's garbage that is true that is true no i've been good though i don't have any wrecks for you this week i'm kind of just buying time until resident evil 4 remake comes out it's Mm. the only thing i could think of it's like or yeah think of it's two weeks away i'm just i keep trying to start games and i just get um I I lose focus. I just I have Resident Evil Four on the mind. I just want it. I need it. Yeah, it's it looks amazing. But um, have I watched anything? I don't know. Let me check my letterbox real quick, guys. Oh yeah, you watched uh, Tarantino's first film. Oh yeah, I Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Only only a three and a half. Bit surprising. Definitely. But a heart. Definitely. Why is it surprising? I don't know. It's got an ensemble cast. Got a. It's it's a great thriller. Um. I would, I would have thought you'd like it more. I think if Reservoir Dogs was one of the first Tarantino movies I've ever seen, I might have liked it more. Um, but That's it is Tarantino formulaic, so I like it's it's very similar to all of his other work, and I like a lot of his other work more than Reservoir Dogs. Um, but Reservoir Dogs was really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I'm fucking dying here. Yeah, great, great film, dude great film just not it's not it's not it's not in his top five i said it it's not in his top five and that's that, eight is in his top five yes 
No, I, I think I, th- though, I yeah. think the you think so? yeah. I think that the I think one it, I think they might just make it though. Oh, I think that the one that was released in theaters is not. I think that the Netflix extended miniseries is. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, what um, makes that one better than the theatrical cut? Uh, just uh, the inclusion of of uh, a bit more dialogue, a little bit more violence. Um, it's longer, and I like the idea. Even though when I watched it as a miniseries, I watched it in in one setting. Um, I like the idea of breaking it up in because it feels a lot more episodic than than mm-hmm. his other stuff. So um, I like the idea of breaking it up into different. He, obviously, he breaks up into chapters, but breaking up in, in, into different episodes, I feel like, kind of brings a whole new level to that movie. Fair enough. I'm just going to go top three and changes probably every other day. But top three: number one, Kill Bill; number two, Inglorious Bastards; and number three, Django Unchained. Is, is Kill Bill the the both of them or one of the other? One. I'm counting volume one. Yeah, I'm counting volume one. That's, that's probably my go. favorite Tarantino. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Number three, probably Jackie Brown. Number two has got to be, that's a tough one, but I'd probably say Django. And number one is um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. See, that's also something to con- uh, to take. In con- Wait, I didn't even say Hateful Eight. That'd probably be number four, though. Um, actually, I think I might like Hateful Eight more than Django. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I haven't seen um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I also haven't seen Jackie Brown. So, Can I just tell you real quick, my, when I went to see Django Unchained, what my experience in the theater was, I was in a sold-out theater, uh, and the theater has about 250 seats back home. I sat, I was the first one there, I got there like 30 minutes early. I sat dead center. Every single seat was filled. It was all black people, and I was the only white person in there. It was one of obviously because of the the, the topic of the film. Um, I felt very uh, out of place. I think you could say. So my top three. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh my god! Uh, this is a personal list, right? Not his best. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got to go Reservoir Dogs number one. Uh, I got to go Inglorious Bastards two, and then probably um, either Kill Bill or um, Django number three. Nice. nice. Solid list. Yeah. Solid list. Uh, the, the only recommend... Uh, I'm good. Uh... <laughs> 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 uh <laughs> Uh, so I've complete. Oh, I watched me me three gan. Um, that was oh, solid. Yeah, oh, yeah talk to me about that real quick. Uh, I so I watched the unrated version on Peacock. Uh, I think I definitely preferred the amount of blood in it, and I think I probably would have liked it a little bit less if it was the PG thirteen version. Um, it was fun. Uh, a little bit heavy on the social commentary in a way that I don't think that they were ready to handle. Um, I think that that movie should have been lighter rather than heavy in certain areas and then light and comedic in other areas. I, I feel like it couldn't really figure out what tone it wanted to be. Uh, but I, I love James Wan. I think anything that he puts his name on for me is um, an automatic 
at least I know I'll enjoy it whether I like it or not. I think that's that's a whole other question. Um, he didn't have much to do with this movie, right? No, he the the story was pitched to him, and he did one of the rewrites. I think he he has a he has a story or a screenplay by credit. You know, I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to compare lists, uh, Sam Raimi productions versus um, James Wan productions. Like, like which one's is, better? Who has the better filmography? Yeah. Uh, I love Sam Raimi, but he has some stinkers in there. Sam Raimi's got some real stinkers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know any, like, I can't think of any James Wan uh, productions off the top of my head. Insidious. Other than, like, the rest of those Saw series, Insidious series. Conjuring. Yeah. Dead Silence. But, I mean... Sure. Wait, he directed uh, Dead Silence, though. Yeah. I meant, like, uh, producing. Well, he also produced them. Oh, well. Yeah, he also wrote and produced, um, or produced and directed Aquaman as well. That is true. And I hate Aquaman. I think he's the worst superhero of all time. He's a waste of space. Waste of pages. For sure. Worst um, Justice League member. Why? Why is that? <laughs> Why? Why is he the worst? <laughs> Go fight fish in the sea, bro. No one wants you. No one wants you. You, you fight water pirates, bro. Ugh. Sorry. Um, but I'll uh, I'll wrap this up really quick. Uh, the two games that I've just completed: uh, South Park, The Fractured But Whole, and The Chant. Uh, so Kyle, you're the one who got me interested in the chant. Uh, it's a fun game that has, for me, no no replay value. Uh, I was thinking of trying to 100, 100% it, um, but by the end of the extremely short game, I was because it's only four and a half hours, I was so worn out and I was happy to be done with it. Um, I found it very frustrating at certain points. Um, the combat is very clunky and i think that's kind of the point to kind of make you feel um like you're uh that you don't have the ability to fight these creatures um but it just it became so tedious at a certain point because i think in the trailer they said one of the things they said is uh pick and choose your battles but there's only like two battles that you can like basically get away from uh, so I think that whole thing, they kind of played that up a little bit too much and it just got a little bit too frustrating for me. Well, there's a trophy to complete the game without killing anybody. Mm. But see, th- Would that doesn't make sense because there's... the game was only made by 25 people or less? Like the team's only 25 people or less? Wait, say that again? The game was only... Like the team who made the game, it's only like 23 or 22 people, I think. That doesn't that surprise me. There, There's not too much to the game and it's very, very short. Yeah, um, but but it's still it's it's a lot more than I could do. So I mean, kudos to them. Um, but there's there's four boss battles that you have, so I don't, I can't physically see a way to do those battles without killing them. I think the trophy might be like complete the game without killing any cultists. I think, uh-huh. but anyway, um, I'm like chapter three now, and it's. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty budget. Like you could tell for sure. Um, so far I'm not really enjoying the combat. 
but mm -hmm. I like your first encounter you have to like fight flies and then that's like a like a reoccurring thing and i'm like what is going it's on it's so frustrating uh, yeah i'm like this is kind of weird but um it's fine i think for 20 bucks it could maybe be worth it but yes, uh yes. i, I think the, exactly. like i paid 40 but i'm cool with that just because it's a hard copy it's a physical edition and uh i like to support indie devs mm -hmm. core devs so um so far it seems Okay, but um, I think the only replay value is maybe for the people that are trophy hunters that want to go back and platinum the game. But yeah, no, it, it, it doesn't seem like a heavy hitter at all to me either, so. But. Anyways, today, we're not here to talk about that stuff. We are going off the rails on a crazy train. Choo-choo, all aboard. Tickets, please. Uh, today, we are talking about 2008, The Midnight Meat Train, opening at number 29 in the box office, uh, domestically grossing $83,000 worldwide, grossing just above $3.5 million, a film that got stuck in development hell because Lionsgate brought a new head of the company on and he only cared about marketing movies that had his name on it, like The Strangers. Granted, The Strangers is a lot better than this, um, it's still kind of, it's still kind of fucked up. Uh, we're just going to move past that. <laughs> uh, I mean, Kyle's a stranger's hater. This is a better movie than the stranger. He never, he never <laughs> used to be like this. The strangers one is boring as fuck, dude. That movie is so overrated. Sorry. Never used to be like that. What happened to our sweet Kyle? <laughs> um, uh, written by Jeff Bueller, who has, uh, I'd say that his career is very mid. Uh, he has uh, a segment in ABCs of Death 2. He did the 2019 Pet Cemetery, the 2019 Jacob's Ladder, the 2020 Grudge, all flops. But he did do the Foo Fighters Studios 666. Uh, and it's directed by, I'm going to mispronounce this, Ian, you might be able to help me, um, Ryuhai Ki Kitamura. Yeah, I think it's Ryuhei. Ryuhei. Maybe. Um, who's done some films that I like, some films I want to see. Um, Godzilla Final War, haven't seen that. Uh, the Shutter exclusive Downrange uh, versus, which I'm still yet to see. And he also has a segment in Nightmare Cinema. Uh, the Midnight Me Train was based on a short story from Clive Barker's The Books of The Book of Blood, uh, I think volume one. Uh, released in 1984. It's about 216 pages. I wanted to get a chance to read it, and I just ran out of time. Uh, so this will be our second Clive Barker movie and our third in the Clive Barker universe. Um, and I know that we've kind of discussed uh, our relationships with the idea of Clive Barker. Three? Four? Oh, oh the Hellraiser thing. The, yeah. The the Hulu one that we never put. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. So I guess uh, yeah. technically this is the second one we've covered. Oh, that one never went out. Yeah, no. no. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Um, so uh, the Midnight Meat Train released in 2008, uh, right in the time that the popularity from the Saul franchise has kind of spurred the whole idea of torture porn and oversaturated and undersaturated colors uh, permeating films. While this was a film in the time of a lot of fart rock and new metal in horror movies, Hell yeah, uh, I'm surprised that they didn't go a little heavier 
on that. I think that they definitely could have. But, uh, Ian, we will start with you. Have you seen The Midnight Meat Train before? Uh, where'd you watch it? Would you add it to your collection? I have not seen uh, The Midnight Meat Train before. I am aware of this uh, director. Uh, I have seen one of his films called Aragami, um, which the story behind the movie is much more interesting than the actual film. The, it, the film's good, but the, the story behind it is amazing. Um, this film I would add to my collection. Uh, I would say it has a lot of, bears a lot of similarities to um, The Collector, which I also like. Mm. Um, which we covered. It was overall, uh, this movie does have some uh, some downsides, uh, but I think it makes up for it in other ways. Um, so yeah. And Kyle, uh, where'd you watch it? Uh, uh, have you seen it before? First thoughts, all that. Uh, would you buy it? Never seen it. I watched it on Apple TV. I rented it for three ninety nine. I was good at watching it on Tubi, but I just can't do commercials. It takes me out of the experience. <laughs> Um, if like if I'm doing a casual watch of something I've already seen, yeah. I'll I'll watch it on TV. But I just I, I don't like the the break of immersion. And when I'm watching my meat trains, there's got to be no immersion breaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, would I add this to my collection? Sure. Yeah, I'd add it. Um, this movie was fucking all over the place. <laughs> When he put on the chain mail at the end and had like a dude, I was like, what is happening right now? This is fucking insane. Um, that being said, um, I think the biggest attractor for me on this film was definitely the romance subplot. It was so cringy and like, um, I just think it was really unnecessary and their whole relationship was very icky. I just didn't like it. Um, it, it was very awkward, very awkward, and uh, it didn't make a lot of sense. I almost wish that whole subplot thing was just out of the picture altogether. Fucking sacrifice the uh, the friend at the end. Build that up, the friendship between the thing. Make it a buddy thing. But the whole romance thing uh, it drove me nuts, and it probably lowered it a whole star rating for me because of that. It was just that bad to me. But... This movie, uh, it kept my interest for the most part. Every time I thought I knew what this movie was about, it would be, it would like creep in something else. Like, yeah. oh, it's just a killer who kills on the train. But it doesn't make any sense, you know? Like, why would no one's on this train and not? Oh, oh, the yeah. train the conductor knows about it. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's keep watching. Okay, it's still not making any sense. What? This was happening for a hundred years. Wait, okay, <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep going. It just keeps like trinkling in little things, little breadcrumbs to keep your interest. And uh, I thought I did a good job at that. Um, I like the 2000s aesthetic. 2000s horror movies just have this look and feel that just make me very nostalgic. I love it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Um, kills were cool. Kills were very cool. I like the um, implementation of some of the CG as well. Um, even though it looked kind of bad, it was still done in interesting ways. Like the guy hanging upside down in the pool of blood, seeing his reflection in it while he's hanging upside down and stuff. It looked bad, but I thought it was like a cool idea. Um, overall, though, um, this movie was, this, it was it, it was better than I thought it would be. Brendan, uh, I've seen this film many, many times. Uh, I watched it. I made a mistake because I have it on DVD, and then I have the unrated director's cut on Blu-ray, 
and I made the mistake of watching the the DVD. Um, I should have watched the Blu-ray. Uh, now, now keep a DVD, man. Get that old four eighty P aesthetic, dude. Just the the you wouldn't steal a a car commercial, you know, all that all that fun shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that this movie is. There's a lot of issues. It can't decide if it wants to be a melodrama or a torture porn. Um, but I'm I'm okay with it because I think that more in Clive Barker's story, from what I understand. Um, it really toes the line between their relationship and kind of paralleling it with what's going on. But um, Leslie Bibb is a fantastic actress, I think. Uh, and I... Th- no, no, she she's not bad. She's not bad. Um, <laughs> but they're... Um, they're she's great in Talladega Nights, for sure. Oh, yeah. There's, a, there's definitely some scenes that weren't supposed to make me laugh that did like when they have the, the, the fight photography thing in the house and they're both, they're, they're they're both sniffling while like, he's like trying to take photos of her and she's just like her shirts off and she's crying and he's just like, Yeah, that what was, was that's, that's what I'm saying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That whole that whole dynamic, every scene that they were in together was a fucking step back yeah. in the quality of the film. Like every single one. So she was okay with him shooting these like smutty film or smutty uh, photographs of like crime in the New York City, but she only wanted him to do it at during the day and like she had like these stipulations on when it was okay to do it, but like I, I'm not. I'm not really sure what her motives like fully were. I think she was saying that like during the day, there's not really a lot of shady shit happening. Like, yeah, but that's what he's going another... for. I understand that. It's like but... that's his whole fucking. That's how he makes money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um. Also, he he didn't. He, that was his only love interest, and he didn't like cheat on her at all. And they put things in the yeah. film that were a little baity like the japanese woman like the um the lady he was trying to get a job from that only like single white males um that what, what was the the deal with that so my thought on that is uh and this kind of goes to one of the things that i like about his character um He's just kind of honestly, he, he you know he photo, he photographs like Nightcrawler stuff, um, but he is kind of just very milk toast. He doesn't have an interesting backstory. Um, he doesn't have personal traumas. He doesn't have, you know, he's and a I mean this character. in the nicest. No, I I think that he's just not a. We've we've become so like ingrained in a character has to have a single you know reason for every single action they do and this character is just an average fucking dude and that's kind of what i like about him uh, i forget what was your question i'm sorry I... who me yeah what was the question you just asked what was, was the deal thinking? with like trying to bait him into cheating on his oh yeah so um you know that kind of goes hand in hand with uh his line um i want to capture the heart of the city 
And then when he finally starts to capture the heart of the city, that's when his entire life gets flipped upside down. Uh, he has the the Asian model that makes that with him. He has the uh, the the smutty um, uh, art house director that's like implying that they're putting moves on him, and then that leads to him basically uh, raping Maya um, at the diner. Oh yeah. Okay, because it was a rape, right? I, I don't think it was a rape. I it think felt that couple, way. But like, it felt that way, though. You know, the way that I looked at it was I was the the darkness of all these images he was mm-hmm. seeing in the city. And now, you know, he's basically... <laughs> don't do that, please, for the love of God. <laughs> I'm like, nobody does that. <laughs> oh, you Speak don't? For yourself, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Jesus. Ian's on his own midnight meat train. It's <laughs> like, I rape plenty of women. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I, I kind of like how his character goes from being, you know, your, your average Joe to this kind of darker, more sinister, and and it kind of perfectly sets him up for how his fate is going to end at the end of this film, which is why I think that he agrees. He doesn't really have a choice, but, um, that's kind of why he agrees to do what he does. Um, can I real quick read you guys the Urban Dictionary definition for Midnight Meat Train? Yeah, but before you do that, I just want to say that we don't condone rape and we don't joke about rape. That wasn't funny. Ian just sucks. Go ahead. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so this, this is yeah, I I agree. So there's uh there's two definitions. Um, the first, well, there's many, but the two I found most interesting, uh, to to propose to your girl, then promptly throw her over a bar counter and fuck her aggressively from behind to celebrate your happy moment. Yo. And the quote is, the quote is, dude, Jack pulled a midnight meat train last night. <laughs> um, the other definition is uh, when, when a group of men are lined up elephant style in the dark, all of them are naked. The member in the back will then shout, all aboard, and then thrust his genitals into the man's ass in front of him. This motion should set up a, ch- a, ch- a chain reaction to where the second man in line thrusts his genitals into the man in front of him, so on and so forth. The member in the front will then begin to start making sounds much like a choo-choo train. This whole, this whole conversation is talking me down another half-star letter grade. I'm, like, I'm being honest right now. So, did the Urban Dictionary definitions come before the film? I don't believe so. Did they come? Did they come before, before the film? Come. Okay, let's get this back on track. Um, uh, so... Uh, there's there's a, a few bits of commentary that I think um, they were trying to make in this film. Some a little bit more successful than others. Uh, one of the big things was voyeurism. And, you know, this is, uh, you had a few years before you had Seinfeld tackling the idea of it, but to a more uh, comedic effect. Um, so this is around the time, you know, cell phones were becoming a lot more accessible, cell phones with cameras and video. Um, do you guys feel that this film kind of took that idea of voyeurism and used it as, you know, one of the, the catalysts? Or do you think that uh, a film like this could have succeeded if it was a different medium of artist, like a painter or, um, you know, a, a street performer or something? I mean, if it was a painter, a painter or a street performer, it would be a totally different type of film. Um, but being that he's taking pictures and like 
um, just in awe of these violent of this violent city, like these type of um, characters, um, is like a catalyst of his drive his drive throughout the film. So I think that's like a gigantic part of the the movie. Yeah, without that, it's more of just like a, uh, it's kind of like a deep red scenario, like an Argento flick, where it's like mm-hmm. this guy gets thrusted into a situation he doesn't belong in, yeah. and like he continues to be motivated by things that he can just back out at any time and just continue to live Stop. his normal life, but he keeps putting himself in more and more danger for absolutely no reason. In this in this film, he does have his reasons, but um, yeah, I think without it, it would be a completely different movie and wouldn't work, because it barely works with this premise as it is. At at what point and who do you think made the decision that um, Leon was going to take uh, Mahogany's place? Well, what threw me off is he had a vision of it. Like, he had a dream that he was the butcher. So, this, like, this had to be, like, a predestiny kind of thing, right? Because he, yeah. he had a nightmare. So, was this from the very beginning? Like, it's chosen? Absolutely. By prophecy? It's a... It's an interesting idea, this, this whole, the premise of the film. And we don't really get the, the whole thing up until the end. But I think the story really carries some of the more doo-doo parts of this movie. Um, like the romantic um, section. That could, I agree with Kyle, that could have just not been in here at all. It's very weird and awkward, and I hate it. That's fair. I think uh, Detective Hadley was the one who decided upon the first time of her meeting him. Um, I do want to say, what do you, what do you guys, what are your guys' opinions on the acting in this film? Are you guys um fans of Brad, Bradley the Coops? Hernan, I'll let you go first on this. Uh, so if this film was pitched to him one day after the premiere of the hangover. He would have said no. Um, And that kind of pisses me off a little bit because he took this film when he was still truly an actor from, uh, from the actor's studio back when he truly cared about like actually giving, I think that his performance in this is really good. And it kind of reminds me of the, the Ryan Reynolds performance in Amityville horror. Um, something that both actors would not have done a year or two after they made it big. So I'm glad that we were still able to get like one genuine performance where it's Bradley Cooper, the actor and not Bradley Cooper, the person on screen. Yeah. Cause once they hit Marvel, they just, yeah, they, they fucking give up. They're whatever. And, and Vin, Vinnie Jones is amazing and everything he's in. He's, I, I that man I don't think he could ever play a good guy. I think he's my favorite British person. British more, than person. T- more than Tom Hardy? Ooh. Is Tom Hardy British? Yeah. Like, from the England? From the British Isles. Come back to me on that one. Okay. Not an official okay. statement. I'm not a Bradley Cooper fan. Something about him just, I don't know. I don't really like it. I don't enjoy watching him on screen. <laughs> um, it's nothing personal. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I just can't get into his style of acting. But I thought he did really good in this movie, though. Um, it's one of my, it's one of my f- uh, more preferred roles, I guess you could say, that I've, I've seen him in. Um uh, Vinnie Jones obviously is amazing. I wish he wasn't 
just a silent vessel for the main antagonist to become what he does. I wish he kind of had more involvement in like dialogue and stuff. But he's um, no so cool though. He's he's very cool. He's very cool. But um, yeah. I mean, it was all okay. It was it was fine. It was serviceable for the movie. Uh, let's. Oh, and is also, that the wrong you, thing to say? No, no. <laughs> is that the wrong? Um, thing? Also, you you have a uh, you have uh, Roger Bart from uh, from Hostel Two, from uh, the good old Desperate Housewives, one of my favorite TV shows. Um, I love seeing him in anything, and I love this like weird mid two thousands horror arc that he went on. Um, because he was in like a bunch of random ass horror movies. Uh, the one thing that we are completely blowing over in this whole discussion, and I think that it does not do a good service to us, is not talking about the kills. You have some fantastic oh. kills. You have some very famous people getting killed by Vinnie Jones. You have Ted Raimi. Uh, you have uh, Rampage Jackson. I love seeing yes. him. Um, I wish that fight would have been a little bit longer, honestly. Uh, but I think that the kills in this are spectacular. And I think that uh, that just kind of goes to uh, Kitamura kind of bringing that that Asian cinema influence into an American film. And I think that really does wonders to the action uh, of this. Do you guys have a favorite kill? Absolutely. Uh, Rampage Jackson, that was that was a great fight. I I do wish it was a little longer, like you mm-hmm. said. Um, I was fine with it ending the way it did because it prolonged the story and it made it a lot more interesting. Um, but my favorite kill is with the woman and the two guys, is it? Yeah, that's with uh, Ted Raimi. Yeah. yeah, Ted Raimi. It's it's the woman kill where uh, it's I guess it's more of a shot, but um it's it shows the point of view from her and from her head yeah from her head and it zooms out and it's like the reflection from her eyeball i thought that was amazing that's an amazing shot um and that whole that whole sequence was great yeah i'll second that that whole sequence was really cool um i did laugh when Remy got hit in the head and it did like yeah. the 3d <laughs> like whoa it's coming at you man uh that was pretty funny to me but um yeah no i think that whole scene is really cool i i really like the whole last fight scene after they get off the train um in like the the devil's pit or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck that was yeah. um i thought that was pretty visceral and pretty cool um and i just liked the way it looked Absolutely. I think that uh, the CGI, a lot of the CGI-ness of of this film kind of adds a level of charm to it. And it, uh, because they could have easily gone practical with the majority of this stuff. But I, I don't, I don't mind that they, that they went digital with it. Um, But this film had a lot of the one thing I hate, and that's when you get blood on the camera lens. I absolutely hate that. I find that so frustrating. Did it have blood on the camera lens? Yes, many times. Oh, because th- uh, there was only one scene that I noticed, and I thought it was blood on the camera lens, but it, would, it was zooming out, and it was blood on the next door from the, the next cart over, which yeah, I thought when, was a really cool shot. When he stabs like Vinnie Jones in the head at the end, he spits blood on the camera. There's a few times where Vinnie Jones hits someone with the, the meat hammer and blood splatters onto the camera. Um... The one thing that I forgot that happened in this film is that the opening kill that we see is set up at the very end. 
Mm. Did, did you i what, what yeah. do you guys think about that i i thought that it was n- not only clever but it's always a fun surprise that i forget about yeah no i thought that was cool i thought that was cool i don't have much to say about it but um when it happened i was just like mm, okay okay sir what'd you say brendan i was looking up the um, cinematographer no, you're good. Um, the the kill that we see in the opening of the film, the bald guy, is set up at the oh, very yeah. end of the film. Yeah, I liked it. Um, there, there's there's a, a few shots that I that I really enjoy. Um, I'm not sure if you guys had any specific shots. Um, my two are uh, when Leon finally gets on the train at the end, and Vinnie Jones is standing at or God, Mahogany is standing at the far end of the train, and the camera pulls back. And he's just like dead center in between all the swinging bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great shot. But the other shot that I think is insane is during the Leon Mahogany fight towards the end while they're on the train. And the camera goes outside the train. Oh, yeah. And back he, in. Yeah. Plus and back the outside. Yeah. Um, were there any shots that really stuck out to you guys? That one for sure. And then kind of going back to what I said earlier, um, usually I'm kind of hard on horror movies that go like really heavily on cg but i think the cg is pretty bad in this but it's done in interesting ways and uh that that that's one of them actually when he hits the window it looks kind of bad but it's cool it's a cool shot um and i like i said i do like the shot of the guy hanging upside down and his throat hitting sliced and then like you see the camera like fall like his head kind of like falls backwards and then the blood tripping on the floor and he sees the pool of his reflection in the in the blood i thought that was really cool I like a lot of this movie, um, sh- shot wise. The cinematographer is uh, Jonathan Sella, who he's done a lot of like really big budget action films, such as Bullet Train, John Wick One, Deadpool Two, Atomic Blonde, uh, and one of my favorites, Law Abiding Citizen. Um, yeah, he's it, it was really great and really creative, uh, unlike his other works from what I've seen. Was uh, this one of his first films? Like, when when did he start? um let's see all those are pretty he did max Payne. he did the omen unfortunately it looks like he started 2004 with soul plane which so so i i I still haven't that's the the mark Wahlberg, uh max Payne, right yeah yeah (laughs) um so i haven't seen that so i don't know what the action's like so this kind of feels uh, this this film, based on what you're saying, Ian, kind of feels like um, a proof of a proof of concept for what he would go on to like like the ideas that he has are there, mm-hmm. but this film just might not have had the budget to really yeah. go into the shots and ideas that he had. So this kind of feels like a uh, I'm I'm glad that you said that because this I hate to use the word again, but it feels like a, a a proof of concept for what he would eventually be able to have the money to go do. Yeah, no, it feels like a it feels like a very creative outlet um, compared to his other stuff, and I think it's cool to see if you're like uh, someone who wants to catch up with someone like that's filmography. I will say, watching this and uh, the cinematography and stuff, it did make me really want to cover an action movie. That's for another time in another podcast with a great name. Uh, which we won't say because that's uh giving too much away um so this movie to me feels very unapologetically 
early 2000s. Um, I know uh, on a few different episodes, we've kind of had discussions about this, but I mean, you know, we get a a microfiche scene, we get uh, flip phones, we get very awkward conversations about veganism, uh, (laughs) which uh, I kind of have a feeling that that uh jeff bueller bueller however you pronounce his name uh i kind of feel like he was trying to make a little bit of a commentary on veganism and the meat industry um so i do have a question um is uh what's his name vinny 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 jones um is he like one of those monsters or is he just some kind of no delivery Got yeah, it. yeah, he's he's from from when from what I am picking up, and I I'm pretty sure the story goes more into detail on this. But uh, once you get that symbol carved into your chest, um, not only does uh, does that mean you're you're, you're, you're taking you're taking the reins over next because they didn't kill him, they they killed someone else on the train when when the mm-hmm. person was hanging up and alive. Um, so it's it was almost like they picked. Uh, they picked their next caretaker because yeah. Vinnie Jones like has vampires. The, yeah, yeah, Vinnie yeah. Jones has the. Can we talk about the fungus growing on his yeah, chest? What was that? That I, I he's like peeling it off. I, like, oh, it's so gross, and he, he keeps them in a little cum jar. Uh, yeah, you don't need what to call is it a cum going jar, on with that? I feel like we need the book. Like we need to yeah. read the short story to get I'll, like more I'll, context on all of this, but I'll read it before next episode, and I'll I'll see what what answers I can yeah. or what questions I can answer. Um, the cops were in on this too. Yes, I think at least one. Just, cop. I, yeah, I think it was only only uh, Detective Hadley because they have to. There's there's so m- the even the newspapers reporting about this, so there has to be one person on the inside. So they they both went to a police department right yeah there was only one cop there <laughs> i thought that i was like no, it's always no. empty it's always empty in there. <laughs> no, the, when uh when leon goes there the first time there's a ton of other cops there oh I but i mean if, if if I you think about it though like how lucky does it have to be that detective hadley yeah. was the that's kind of you know like a like a ex machina kind of uh amount of luck i think Wait, that she took the, like she took the case, kind of thing. Yeah, well, I no, think that, she probably no that that he was able to sit down with her because you know if what if he came in five minutes later and someone else was talking to her, then he would just be put with a different cop. Yeah, no, I'm saying that like out of context, like almost out of being filmed, it it probably went like he came in, explained the situation. She was like, "I'll I'll, I'll handle oh, this one." True. Yeah, I'll handle this one. It kind of took the trope of like the hillbilly horror, where the usually the people who live in the forest or the the desert, those hillbillies, like the inbred hillbillies, have mm-hmm. someone on the outside that's there to like lure people towards them. So I I think she might have been that, person. but she wasn't even oh, luring anybody. So like, wait, what was her role in the whole thing? Yeah. Wait, so. Leon sees her twice. The first time he goes in to show the photos of of the the asian girl mm-hmm. after she goes missing yeah. and that's when detective hadley realizes that he has evidence maybe because the only other piece of evidence that he has in the photo is the ring of vinnie jones so i think at that point 
again, it must have been very lucky that he somehow got got set up with her. But so at that point, she realizes if this guy comes back in, I need to be the one to talk to him because he has at least some semblance that there's something going on. I mean, he has the only physical proof of it. Right? I don't know. But then barnacles. Uh, can we? T- what about the name Jurgis? What? What the fuck? Who was that? Uh, Roger Bart. That was uh the the spiky haired dude that gets uh his throat slit on the train. Yeah, his name's Jurgis. It's a very Nordic name. <laughs> Jurgis. Um, what's with like some of them getting their eyes gouged out and some of them not like why like like jurgis for example why like why was he hung without that whole process happening to him because uh, he was still alive well right but i thought when he kills oh yeah i, I guess you're right yeah when he, but, what does but, he but why does he kill some and keep some alive though uh i just think that some people he he probably keeps alive which makes me wonder is there like one creature that prefers live meat over the other like mm. that's probably maybe that's why he left leon alive but yeah when when he like uh when vinnie jones does the uh uh when we see him kind of like performing the surgery on the dead bodies where he's ripping their teeth out um ripping their fingernails off and mm. them him popping their eyes out and like the optic nerve that's attached to it like that looks so good it does look good the rest of the stuff doesn't really get me but the teeth thing mm-hmm. yeah no no that's where it got me too i, I mean, hate it, it didn't really get me, teeth horror man i hate it gets under my skin i cannot deal with it and it it was it was a good one in terms of uh grossing me out and he didn't just re- like normally like you would only see like someone rip out like one tooth and then it would go to the fingernail and then the eye we see him ripping out like five teeth before he moves on to like a couple fingernails yeah and And i i I like how they decided to linger on certain things um that kind of brings a level of uh more gore to the film uh Okay, so I think that um, unless there's anything else that you guys want to bring up, I think we should get into some final thoughts and readings. All right, so uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. The more I talk about this film, the more I don't like it, I think. Um, But that being said, I feel like they should have cut out all the romantic subplot stuff and put in more time with them in the devil's pit with the monsters. Showed more of the monsters at the end. Got a little bit more information about them. Because, um, man, we just didn't get enough. Uh, the film has a lot of cool things going for it, though, like the cinematography and the kills. Um, there's just a lot of random, unnecessary filler that I don't think needed to be in it. and. Um, I'll be generous. I'll, I'll I'll give it a three. Okay. Ian, uh, no um, no heart no heart. I assume absolutely not. No, absolutely no. not. Um, as I said before, this shares a lot of similarities similarities to um the collector has the the gore has a lot of like that gradient film quality. Um, and I think the shots like 
are just really, really great in this uh, in this movie. It's it surprised me how much I liked it. Um, there are a lot of cringy moments in this movie, but I think overall the story really carries it, um, and it 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 like kept a hold of me and during those cringy moments. And I was like, you know what, I can I can still get through this. Um, the acting, I'm not a big fan of uh, Bradley Cooper outside of a Rocket Raccoon. Um, this movie, he just doesn't really do anything for me. He's because he's not an animated raccoon. Because he's not an animated raccoon. Um, <laughs> uh, but I did enjoy this film, and I will give it no heart, but I will give it a three and a half. Just doing the maths real quick. I did not like the <laughs> the face Cal gave me. That was a little disrespectful. It was kind Sorry. of cool. Sorry, it wasn't towards you. <laughs> um, I thoroughly enjoy this film. I wish that I think as both of you guys do, there was a lot less of the melodrama. I wish there was a lot. I don't wish there was more blood and gore because I think that anything else would have been a bit too excessive. Um, I like the idea of the elder old gods that live beneath the town and basically um, run shit. I think Clive Barker is one of has one of the most brilliant and disturbing minds in horror, um, and I'll just eat up anything that he does. Um, I think that he's a spectacular creator in all senses, and even the paintings that we see in Susan's uh, gallery. Um, they were all done by Clive Barker. So he's just an an all-around incredibly talented man that gets the shaft um way too much. And that's not a gay joke because he is gay. Um I'm gonna give this film uh I'm comfortable giving it a 3.5 with a heart. Uh so that brings the overall rating to a 3.3 repeating, which I can't remember. We've discussed that that. It goes up. up. Okay. Yeah, goes so up. this film gets a 3.5 with no heart. Um, and I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, all right. So it is now time for North America's favorite podcast game and soon to be the world's. But before, we must take an ad from our lovely sponsors. So please listen. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. And we're back. Uh... Those are some great shows, aren't they? You should go uh, check them out at uh, ruminationsradionetwork.com. Is that correct? I got it. Nailed it. I nailed it. Uh, so, it's now time for What's in the Box? Uh, the game where uh, there's an Son app. Of the police. Whoop, whoop. Uh, the game where we use an app called letterboxed which is used by like-minded cinephiles but not pedophiles uh where there's basically a five-star rating and i'm never gonna get this and the the stars are um an aggregate score of the user ratings of the film which can range from zero to five uh yeah 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the description of the film, and then my co-host will have to guess the average star rating within 0.3 points. And then we will go into the second round where they must guess the decade for another point. If they get the uh, star point on the dot, uh, they get two points instead of one. How was that? I think I nailed it. I liked it a lot. Brennan, it just occurred to me how many times we hear a an ambulance or police car um, driving through your neighborhood. How safe is the area that you live in? How safe uh, are your I, children? I live literally next door to the police station. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot so, of sense. That explains yeah. it. Must be in a very safe area. Mystery solved. <laughs> Um, okay, so we are going to jump into number one. Gentlemen, are you ready? Ja, ich bin fertig. That was terrible German, but there you go. Tagline, trust nothing except your fear. During a routine case in L.A., New York private detective Harry Demore stumbles over... Okay, he's doing that on purpose. <laughs> no, I'm really not, but... But you can see My hands it. are in the air. How am I fucking doing I, I, it on can, I can see that too, yeah. Um, <laughs> New York private investigator Harry Demore stumbles... I'm really not. Like, I- stumbles over members of a fanatic cult who are preparing for their resurrection of their leader, Nix, a powerful magician who was killed 13 years earlier. Genre, fantasy, horror. Man, you love magician horror. I do. This is probably the Disney original. Um, I forgot the, I forgot the name of that one. It's got that one girl in Antasia. No, three point one. It was a, it was a live action during like twenty tens era Disney originals. Obviously, wasn't good enough for me to remember the title. Um, I'm gonna go. You said 2.1? Kyle said 3.1. 3.1. Damn, I was going to go 3.1. Remember when Ian gave the collector of four stars? <laughs> and I'll do it again, baby. Uh, I'm going to go fantasy horror. I don't think he usually... Because there, there's a lot of B-rated fantasy horror. And this might be one of them. I'm going to go 2.9. Well, you both get a point. And Kyle, I'm going to give you a second point because you hit that right Aye. on the head. It is a 3.1 guess the decade. Ooh. Fantasy horror seems like an 80s thing. Fantasy horror. Can you repeat the first line again for me, please? Yes. Um, well, it's all one sentence. Uh, oh. During, just tell me when to stop. During a routine case in Los Angeles, New York private investigator Harry Demore stumbles over members of a fanatic cult who are preparing for the resurrection of their leader, Nix, a powerful magician who, has, who was killed 13 years earlier. Man. 90s people love Los Angeles. I'm going to go 90s. You're going to go 1990s. All right, Kyle, Ian guessed the 90s. 90s. No, I'll go 2000s. You'll go 2000s. Ian, you get the point. It is 1995's Lord of Illusions. Oh. Is it a John Carpenter movie? Uh, Sure. Um, is it not? Uh, Next 
We have <laughs> who directed it? Uh, it was directed by the same guy who did this movie. Oh, really? No, Lord of um, Why are you saying was, these things? It was directed by Clive Barker. Clive Barker, gotcha. We know the theme. Uh, Got him. I don't think you do. I don't. We don't know the do. theme. <laughs> uh, number two. Are we ready? Ready. To save the past, we must change the future. In 1815, a monk, Thomas Alcala, unwittingly unleashes two female succubi, Munkar and Nakir, upon an unsuspecting 21st century. He is chosen by God to travel through the centuries and stop the demon's rampage. Dude, this oh, sounds uh, amazing. Uh, genre, fantasy, TV movie, sci-fi horror. Sounds like my ex-wife. Oh, TV movie? So it's a part of a... There was a show? Seems like a 90s show. That probably came over to the 2000s or stayed in the 90s. I'm going to go. How old do, do movie shows go? Unless you're freaking um, David Lynch. I'll tell um, you, this was uh, 90 minutes. So it was just like a single TV movie episode. And there's no show connected to, to this? No. Oh. People like their shows, though. You know, they kind of like their TV movies, though. But they rate them higher if they're fans of it. Even like they throw away quality aside. If they're a fan of the show, they'll rate it higher. All those housewives that are like, man, Lifetime, my favorite channel, and they'll they'll just watch those movies. My mom's one of those one of those people. She watched she watches the cringiest things. I just had to get that out. Three. Uh, I'm gonna go point two point eight. Three point oh. 2.8, 3.0. You are both incorrect. It is a 2.4. Guess the decade. 90s. I feel like it has to be 90s. Like, people didn't make TV movies in the 2000s, right? They did, uh, for they, sure. I know. I was alive. I'm just <laughs> talking out loud, Ian. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go 2000s. And Ian, what would you say? 90s. 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 Okay, well, Kyle, you get the point. It is 2002's Saint Sinner, directed by Joshua Butler. You're keeping track, right, of the score? <gasps> yeah. Okay. So uh, score so is 3-2, to two, Kyle. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sure. Sure. Alright, number 3. He's pure evil, pure power, pure terror. Ireland will never be the same after... I'm not going to say it because it'll say the title. This creature, a particularly na- a particular particularly nasty demon, is released from his underground prison by an unwitting farmer. The film follows this creature's cross against a uh, cross country rampage while a man struggles to stop it. Kyle, are you still there? Yeah, my okay. camera's just okay. Sorry. Sure. Um, genre horror. Damn. Sounds a little like the Leprechaun. Why? Because it's in Ireland? That's racist. Was it? Yeah, it's racist. Oh, then it's um, the Leprechaun. 2.5. It's in Ireland? Yes. Then I've never seen this movie. <clears throat> it has a beautiful, beautiful Vinegar Syndrome release that I have. It's 3. A, <laughs> It's a Vinegar Syndrome release? Don't know what the hate is. Gonna go 2.7. That's a good guess. Kyle, I'll stick with my original 2.5. 2.5. You both get a point, and Ian, you get a second point. 
Because we both got a second point in this round. Interesting. Guess the decade. It's all tied right now. 4-4. It's still anyone's game. Well, it can't be. This is, all these sound 90s. <laughs> 80s. Let's save that. That's a safe bet, pussy. Um, I'm going to go with... There's no way it's 2010s, right? That'd be like a leap of faith guess. 2010s? They do release newer films. <laughs> and they also release Hong Kong films. I have some over there. Uh, Kyle, you said 2010s. Ian, you said 80s? I didn't yes. say 2010s. I was just <laughs> speculating 2010s. Oh, he said 2010s. Uh, <clears throat> 90s. <laughs> 90s. Ian, you are correct. It is 1988's Rawhead Rex, directed by George Pavlou. This is one of the highest scoring games I think we've ever had. I am riveted right now. Um, <laughs> Alright, are we ready for the final one? Yes. Ian just made this personal, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, I'll, Kyle, I'll text you the answers. <laughs> Thank you, appreciate it. Uh, okay. Your time will come. Three college students set out to document what other people dread the most. However, one of the three turns out to secretly be a sadistic psychopath who uses uh, this knowledge to gruesomely torture his subjects. Genre, horror, drama, thriller. Mm. Is this also a Vinegar Syndrome release? <laughs> uh, far from it, but uh, can, I, can I tell oh, you guys this is a what... Good movie? Can I tell you guys what Dylan rated this movie? Oh, oh it's, it's a bad movie then. Yeah. Dylan rated this movie a three and a half with no heart. His review, surprisingly very good, went into it with the bit with not the biggest expectations, but it was done well for what it is. Two point three. <laughs> I think that's too low, but I'm gonna match in the twos. I'm gonna go two point six. The game is now tied because it is 2.8. Oh, guess, <laughs> guess the decade. Oh, man. 2000s. 2010s. Ian gets this point because it's 2009's Dread, directed by Anthony de Blasi, who was one of the producers on Midnight Meat Train and whose 2014 film, The Last Shift, is getting a reboot this Ooh. year, written and directed by him as well, um, called Malum. Uh, can you guys guess the specific theme that I have picked out for these four movies. <laughs> these are all films where the directors. Um, no, I'm not going to say that. That's too inappropriate. This is this is these are all movies that Dylan rated on Letterbox and gave above a. Okay, you're going too far. Three. Just say Brendan rated on Letterbox. That actually would have been a really good idea, but I would have yeah. read the others if Dylan rated them. But oh, that's a good idea. Shit. I don't have a guess. Do uh, I get an extra point for the creativity or? Mm, I don't know. No. Um, the theme is these were all based on Clive Barker short stories. Well, that was obvious. Yet he didn't say it. You said no. All right. Yet he didn't. You said direct. You said directed by said, Clive Barker. Yeah, I said Clive Barker. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. So Ian takes it 
with a six to five, the highest scoring game I think we've had on record. That puts the year to date at Kyle at one, Brendan at two, and Ian at four. He's that, a no, that's bit of a... completely changed since last episode. Because last episode, we were all tied. No, no. we weren't. Yes. No? Go I swear to God. Listen it's... to the Skinamarink. Listen to the Skinamarink. Okay, we'll, we'll listen to the Skinamarink, <laughs> and then we'll change it if it's incorrect. But that's what I have right here. Um, but that being said, this has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum. The 2008 fart rock horror of the Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, be sure to check us out on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, please give us a rating. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, if you like what we're doing here, be sure to check out our other shows. You can find those at uh, transistor.ruminationsradionetwork.fm. Is that correct? Mm hmm Okay, or uh, ruminationsradionetwork.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter. That's OF Red Rum. The OF does not stand for OnlyFans, so you won't be seeing our dicks. Uh, yet. Not yet. Uh, but that being said, I have been your host, Brendan, Mr. Fantastic. Uh, go see the new Scream movie. Uh, it comes out in three days, or when you're listening to this, it probably came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, but go see it. Support, uh, support. Uh, your horror franchises uh, and with us as always is Ian the ghost of Ian Got to Michael it. yet another um, source of fuel for you to go to New York and bring your vampire slaying gear to take down these monsters you gotta just bring the operation to a halt they need you New York needs you Michael from Alaska and also with us, the man who writes with the number D pencil. He's number one in all of our hearts. The slick back Cadillac himself. The snap back. Kyle with a K. Midnight me train. That's what these call me. Nice one. Hail Rutland. Stay spooky, folks.